For GateWorld.net, I am David Reed, and I am talking with longtime SG1 makeup artist Jan Newman. Jan, this has been a long time coming. It is a pleasure to see you at GateCon. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, last time I saw you, it was at um, Continuum Screening. The screening, that's, that's right. right. Fabulous, fabulous. Is that the last yes. piece? Oh, it was very good. Is that the last piece of Stargate that you've done? Yes. yes oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I took, a, took some time off and, you know, hanging around. Okay, you, you, you told me about some of your other projects. What are you currently working on? I'm working on, as, a, as a, one of the many first assistant makeup artists, on A Night in the Museum 2. And it's a very busy show. Uh, so we do main unit and second unit pretty much simultaneously. So we get a whole group of people ready, and sometimes they come to our unit, and sometimes they go to main unit with mm-hmm. with the stars. And uh, mm-hmm. then we work with a lot of doubles. You know, Dan Payne yeah. is one of our doubles. Right. And, uh, so, uh, and we have to, sometimes we have to double a double. <laughs> <laughs> a second double. A second double. Oh wow. Yeah, um, because it's so busy. Um, but it's lots of fun. I'm working with a lot of friends from Stargate uh, Makeup Times, and uh, so I'm very happy there. Vancouver's a small town, you know? It really is. Now, was MacGyver your earliest um, work as a, as a makeup artist? Oh, or no. do you, oh, no, You've no. been in this business for a while. I don't know how old you are, David, but I've been in here probably longer than you've been born. I've been, I'm 25. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, anyway, yes, I've been doing makeup for a long time, should I say? No, I won't say that. But um, back in the late 70s, I did my first feature film, mm-hmm. but I had done a lot of television. My, I actually started in opera doing makeup for the stage, which is a wonderful training area yeah. for makeup artists. You can't, and you can't look normal because the lights hit and you have to make things, certain things pop because, and people are sitting far away. How about far away. I let you talk? Yeah. No, <laughs> yes. exactly. No, you're exactly right because um, you have to demonstrate the character uh, from the back of the theater but also make them real, realistic. Uh-huh. But can you imagine going from television news to the opera? In one night. In one night. You've got to go back and forth. Mm, does it look right? So yes, we used to do. We used to go do the news in the afternoon uh-huh. and go to the theater at night, and it was a wonderful, wonderful training experience. Mm-hmm. And I recommend any makeup artist who comes to me and says I want to be a makeup artist, I say go and volunteer, do stage, do theater, do face painting. Yeah. And so that's a, a very good starting. A lot of good schools now, because I didn't go to school to do a make, to be a makeup artist. I was um, pretty much self-taught, but I had the opportunity to work with wonderful makeup artists mm-hmm. in television and theatre. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, it was uh, uh, kind of a labour of love at the beginning. And then when I got my first feature film, uh, I actually got paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a race car movie. A lot of noise, and then um, did several several other feature films in Alberta. Oh, okay. And that's where I uh, was uh, training, and um, so from there I came out to British Columbia to do um, to see what the what the atmosphere was like, and it was just booming at the time. So I think my first job was on Hitchhiker, and then the next one was um, a couple of TV movies and. <clears throat> 21 Jump Street. Mm-hmm. I did one season on 21 Jump Street. Mm-hmm. And then, lo and behold, um, two young men came into the city to do um, 
television series, and uh, uh, Michael Greenberg and Richard Dean Anderson were the two young men who came in with something that they'd already established in Los Angeles. And I um, interviewed with them, and I got the job. And little did I know it was going to be such a wonderful experience. Long-lasting, you know, and not just a lot of seasons, but, you know, it's a part of our lexicography. I, it is. It is. And, you know, from those experiences, uh, I, it was probably the one, one of the most um, greatest experiences, shall I say, for doing second unit matching. And because they had a huge second unit, and um, Dan Shea, of course, uh -huh. was was um, uh, with Richard, and so we used to try and make him, you know, Dan's got a weird thumb, so he doesn't look anything like Richard's hands. So yeah, you, there's a lot of hand modeling, <laughs> you know. So what, part of that second unit was sort of matching hands to do uh -huh. all that, those MacGyverisms. Oh, so Dan was actually well, responsible for some. a lot of the tricky stuff. Dan did some, because um, Richard had his own stuntman um, yeah. from Los Angeles, and um, he didn't do any of that sort of thing. But uh, Bill Nikolai, who was on, has been on Stargate, also did a lot of uh, stand-in and uh, um, second unit work as Richard's mm -hmm. hand double. Yeah. And also photo double. Mm -hmm. um, and he was also Richard's photo double on Stargate. Oh, okay. So, so when I getting to know Vancouver very well and knowing where all the wonderful locations were was a great experience and um, wonderful, wonderful people. Mm -hmm. Steve Downing, the executive producer, and Michael Greenberg were mm -hmm. just wonderful people to work with. And of course, Richard. <laughs> of course. Oh, of and, course. Um, then after that, I just went back to doing um, feature film. I did Intersection and I did Little Women. And then about that time, the Stargate um, franchise sort of was coming to town. and. I uh, got called from um, Michael Greenberg's secretary or somebody who was setting it up to ask if I'd be interested because they wanted to get the same MacGyver crew back onto Stargate. Yes, you know this is a crew that works. Why break? Why break something? You That's know? right. So we did very well getting getting most of our crew together. Mm. And what an experience! I mean, what a wonderful eleven years. Really, ten years of of series and two feature films, what I would call feature films because they are spectacular. Yeah, and they're not done yet. You know, Brad's getting, he's he's writing a third movie. Well, That's I may not be part of that, but anyway, oh, it's been a wonderful experience. Well, you know, for old time's sake, yeah, you, you, you've, you've always been great. I'm sure they'll bring you back. But I'd like to backtrack real quickly, mm -hmm. if I can. Um, where did the ambition for becoming a makeup artist come from? Were you a, what were what in your childhood or in your young oh, adult life said, I want to do childhood. this? Trust me, I wanted to be a flight attendant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I went to nursing school in Australia okay. and I became a, a, an air hostess in those days uh -huh. uh, with Ansett Airlines and I um, because I had to become a nurse, I had to become a nurse in order to be a, a cabin attendant uh -huh. in those days. Uh, we, I went through nursing school, uh -huh. and then I um, uh, came to Canada and um, met my husband. Okay. So we stayed here, and I went back to nursing, and I also um, had the opportunity to volunteer in theater. So my makeup background basically was doing theater, opera, and um, live music theater. Uh -huh. So um, 
you know, as I said previously, it's one of the best experiences. Oh, and wow. then when television became, you know, very productive, we do live music, um, live to air productions. And we used to do dramas, and live dramas, sometimes on video. Great experience. And so then I, after, um, after being in theatre, uh, you know, we used to do commercials and live shows and things. So, um, yeah, and then I came to Vancouver. Started all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done theatre since, which is very interesting because it is my one of my first yeah, you um, know, uh, lead-ins. Uh -huh. The opportunity is not so great anymore because um, they're kind of a little bit closed shop, I suppose, that you, if you belong to one union... There's two different two different types of unions: the theater and then there's the film mm -hmm. television. So yeah. Um, You're kind of in the television one now. <laughs> yeah, and happily so. <laughs> so you spent a number of years on the set doing makeup. You know, I, I, I um, a number of items that have been auctioned off over the years are all of your Polaroids. You know, where you take scenes for are continuity. You serious? Yeah, those those go for like 125 bucks on eBay. You know, one Polaroid. No kidding. How many did you take over the years? You must have taken thousands. Because I remember coming on set in season nine, and you had switched to a digital camera. Right. <laughs> well, I me see. I when I left after Continuum, uh -huh. all of all of the archival things, everything that was belonged to Stargate, went into their locker room. Mm -hmm. And um, I often wondered whether or not anybody ever knew they were there, <laughs> but obviously <laughs> somebody does. Um, I, so I don't have any of the Polaroids from the early periods because you, know, you can't really duplicate Polaroids very well. Mm -hmm. But um, and it was quite expensive, you know, over the years um, taking Polaroids and and because Polaroids never really did justice to makeup. Oh really? Yeah. So it would give you the outline of the basic continuity, especially for bruises. I'm, you know, on MacGyver, oh, we used to number his bruises or his dirt patches. Or oh whatever. wow. Oh yeah, you know this is a number five bruise here. Oh, this is a number two dirt spot here. <laughs> two inches wide. The other one's like half <laughs> yeah, an inch. Right. You know. That's for sure. Um, but uh, I I never quite knew what happened to them. But if they're being sold for charity, I think that's great. Mm, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we put together albums. Each episode had its own album. And so after the Polaroid albums. thing, after the Polaroid thing. So each season had one full binder of the, of the cast and, not the scripts, the cast and the pictures, the digital pictures that we did. Wow. Also, somewhere up there in those archives are um, the original um, rock, uh, you know, dental rock uh, molds of some tattoos over the period. Yeah. Th they may have already gone. I know, I know some, of our, some of the tattoos... Um, were uh, auctioned off very early while I was still on Stargate. Mm -hmm. We just packaged them up, the gold ones. Oh, the Jaffa tattoos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Jaffa okay. tattoos. And then um, just not too long ago at Comic-Con, they wanted some some of the black tattoos. That, yeah, and, for fans. Um, so I, uh, uh, with Bridget Prochaska, um, we managed to track those down. So the, were those the ones that you use on set? So you guys didn't mark tattoos. They were just little, like, you used the water and, and transferred used, them, transferables? Well, what we, we would use, um, uh, uh, 
a makeup that was put on with alcohol and a product called Silicolor so that it wouldn't sweat off. Uh-huh. And yeah, long days, yeah. And so in the early days, you know, we were always repairing the tattoos. But in later years, we came up with all these new products come out, came out, and we um, managed to get it down to quite a, quite a science. <laughs> yeah. Now, the Children of the Gods, if you remember right at the very beginning, Children of the Gods, yeah. we had tattoos that were for the women, because this whole thing changed. Yeah, they were silver and for the women. They were they were very colored. You uh-huh. know, they were certain sort of like rainbow colors and, oh, and gold yeah. or silver. Uh-huh. But I'm not sure where in the history of Stargate where that actually went, uh-huh. because after a period of time, uh, we didn't. We only used black tattoos uh-huh. on the women. They never had gold tattoos, and they had. Um, very specific um, what's the word I'm thinking of um, universes had very specific like for instance the um, the tattoo that Tilk had yeah his apophis Chula, symbol Chula, mm-hmm. the women had those mm-hmm. um, the children never did until until the boys became mature mature and then um, Tilk's son uh-huh. then had a tattoo. Then got it. Uh, so it was um, very interesting, I think, how the history of those tattoos came about because I think after about two seasons, we started moving into other realms with different tattoo designs from uh-huh. other universes. Yeah. All and the different system lords had their own design, exactly, you know? Exactly, exactly. Oh. system lords. I That's right. About that. <laughs> Every bad um, guy had his own uh, tattoo for his own slaves. Yes, yes for sure. So. Um, but then it, it became kind of an interesting thing with each director, if their script called for it, and they would, they would meet with Brad and Robert to determine what the hierarchy would be. Mm-hmm. And then the designers would come up with several different designs and they'd go to the producers and the director and then we would come up with either creating the gold ones, which were very specific, that we would have to have them sculpted. And the art department was so clever. They used to make the molds out of, um, I suppose it would be sort of like, well, artist paper, but layers. Uh-huh. And then we'd pour, uh, Dorothy, my assistant, uh, would pour the um, sort of like silly, no, like sort of a um, super glue kind of thing okay. into it. Um, you know the things that they use for um, hot glue gun things? Yeah, yeah, because they're would, embossed, they're layered. Mm-hmm, they're different uh-huh. dimensional. And so uh, we would do that. And then we would color them with gold leaf or gold paint, depending. But the history, really the history of the tattoo goes right back to Children of the Gods on Christopher. Yes, because he was the first. Christopher's tattoo, Tilk's tattoo, was a three-part procedure. And it would take us, and this was, we're talking sort of way before prosthetics became a really big deal. Um, we would, um, I would put on three different things. I put the middle one on, the second one, and then the third one, and then have to fill it in. 
And that would take a long time in the mornings. So eventually, thank goodness, we managed to get his makeup down from an hour and ten minutes to about 15. <laughs> oh, wow. So, because when he went from, I'm not sure what season, about season six, we nixed the gold, mm-hmm. uh, the, the gold sheen on him. Yeah, he stopped being painted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And originally that was part of his ritual. Uh-huh. You know, the, the tilt when he would when he would go into his um, meditation. His Kelnarim. Kelnarim. That's and right. And he, he uh, would... Um, <laughs> paint himself gold. <laughs> um, we, we never saw any evidence of the brushes no. or the gold. That yeah, you, and his dark around mm-hmm, his eyes mm-hmm. too. You know, but I, but the the premise I believe came from uh, as he became more uh, of this world mm-hmm. that he dropped a lot of his. Um, he still did the Kilnarim, but he dropped a lot of his um, outer trappings. Mm-hmm. He stopped wearing his robes, you know, he's, he was wearing um, SG uniforms. And mm-hmm. He became one of them. from Earth, <laughs> yeah. you know, that was his yeah, home. That was his, and, and so from that perspective, uh, a lot of things changed. Uh-huh. And um, his makeup, as I said, became about a 15-minute, depending on who we stopped to talk. Ah. I used to love, Christopher and I used to love having great conversations. You called him an angel before. Oh, he's, he's a wonderful man, I love him. And uh, I mean, they're all fabulous. I mean, just how, how lucky can one person be yeah. to have such a great cast to work with? I know they could be a real pain, you know. And well, they're, they're some, just not. I, do you know what I have had in my career? Very, very few people that I would say I don't want to put my hands on. Oh. I can say one person for sure. A long time ago, and um, it was some an unknown prima donna. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I would I think that um, uh, the uh, the experience of uh, being with this crew mm-hmm. and this cast mm-hmm. is you know some people would sort of give their right arm. No, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the most difficult to work with? Who was I mean, and in terms of like, okay, we need to get this done. You know. You mean in times of like. Um, for, for I mean, yeah, when you were putting the makeup on, you know, or touching them back up, you know, who would kid around the most, and you have to who reel. Do you think? The, okay, Chris Judge. No. No. Oh, Rick. Yes. Oh man. It was, it was like trying to hit a moving target to get him ready. Oh man. Um, but you know, Richard didn't like to sit in the chair for very long, and yeah. uh, I think the longest Christopher, I mean, uh, Richard sat in the makeup chair was in um, Brief Candle. When, when he, he aged, turned 100 years old. And oh, we, we never thought he was going to do that. But he sort of got really into it after a while. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, the preparation for that was um, we had pictures of his father and his grandfather. And the, the designers, the designer who designed the makeup, took some of those aspects and also some of, some of um, O'Neill's, you know, um, uh-huh. physiognomy, that's the right word, to, to put it together. And... He sat still from, you know, the, I think there were three different changes in that. Uh-huh. Yeah, he got old over the course mm-hmm, of the episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really nice that you guys, I mean, it, was, it wasn't just make him old. It was, you looked at references mm-hmm. and you wanted to make it plausible. Mm-hmm, That's absolutely. cool. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, uh, the, one of the things that I, I mean, Richard used to wear contact lenses um, way back. And, you know, he hadn't had to wear them for a long time. But 
one of the things that I really wanted to make sure is for Brief Candle that he had a proper contact lens that looked aging. Gray because as people out. age, their uh -huh. eyes change and their color changes. And um, you can have the best makeup in the world on uh, aging makeup, and if the eyes give it away, it's, it doesn't, doesn't work. work. No. Right. So in this um, instance, and it really did work for him. Mm. He, he, he probably would say it out loud, but he he really enjoyed that aspect and seeing seeing he never looked like that because he's so gorgeous. But <laughs> uh, he talked about that episode today. Did he? Uh huh. He brought that one up specifically. Mm -hmm. And you had to age everyone in unending. Yes. That episode. Wow. Was, was that a challenge? It was another wonderful experience. We had, you know, Todd Masters is our prosthetics designer. Genius. And he is, you know, Emmy winner and, you know, just, mm -hmm. just a wonderful, wonderful man. And he uh, he took took pictures um, and digited them digitally. And we went through a whole process with the directors and the producers as to what stages we would do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was several years at different increments. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think three for Amanda. You know, Bose. So uh, Rachel Griffin and I did Amanda's makeup. And so each person had their own makeup artist plus their own prosthetic makeup artist to make it work, to maintain it throughout uh -huh. throughout the, the um, whole of the experience of filming it um, um, or videoing it. Um, and because it was HD, it's very critical, very, very critical. So Yeah, it's, it gets all the detail. I've only seen it once, um, and it's one of those things that I should go back and look at again. And sort of, we can become very critical of our work when we see it, and sometimes you don't want to go back. But, um, yeah, that was a great experience, and I, I think that, I think Amanda's, I think Amanda's makeup was what was the, the truest but then she was the only woman, so right, the, exactly. The men, <coughs> I think Ben, Ben was was terrific. But then Ben in um, in Continuum, uh, exactly so another older fabulous. version of him. Yeah, and, huh. that, and that was that was really really, and that was Todd. Todd did that. Oh, he did that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I um, I I did Ben's straight makeup, and the first part of the aging I did with with paint, what they call aging with paint. But um, uh -huh. then he had the the prosthetics and the beards and and then we had had to have photo double for him so we had to do exactly the same thing and then the um, his standard was his, his closest to his Ben's statue and everything so they did it on, on mm -hmm. him so, okay cool um, yeah so all in all I mean looking back on it it's been a very joyous time very fatiguing at times because we put in a lot of long hours, but it was never one of those experiences where I don't want to get up and go to work tomorrow. You're um, going, you're having a good time while you're there, you know. Absolutely. Richard made sure of that. He certainly did. <laughs> Great. You know, I, I used to say that to Richard, and I, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be upset if I said this, that he was like a big kid. Oh, I think he'd admit that. And yeah. he, even back on MacGyver days. And this has been written up, so I'm not telling tales out of school. We were shooting in a rock quarry uh, up in GVOD, uh -huh. and he was riding a bike. And he something got into him. And I think, I'm pretty sure it was the first or the second episode in, 
he got to the top of the cliff and just let the bike go. He let the bike go? I said, only a nine-year-old would do that. And he, he, was, he was very gleeful. Oh, look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he got off the bike and just let it continue? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, he didn't hurt himself. No, he just let it go off the cliff. <laughs> So, you know, that's when I say he's, he's a big kid. Ah, great. You know, and I haven't seen Richard. Mm. I haven't seen him for probably a year. He's here? I know. I, Sweet. All right. I probably won't get to see him. He's been crowded by so many people. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I actually saw him so many pictures. Oh, okay. Jay took me in there. Oh, good. Room. It's been uh, almost a couple of months. Uh, Don Davis recently passed yeah. away. Mm-hmm. His... Um, yeah, his, uh, his final appearance was in Continuum. Did you work with him on that film? I certainly did. Oh. I love Don. I worked with Don for a long time. He was Dana Elkar's stunt double. He was, and I had something to do with that. Really? I take pride in because Don was balding like Dana. And it was a little selfish of me because I really didn't want to have to put a ball cap on a stunt man. <laughs> So, you know, the producers and I, and, you know, Don, of course, agreed and was happy to be doing that. And, uh, you know, from then on, we became really good friends. You know, he, he was such a treasure in my life. And uh, one of the things I will miss about Don is he would walk into the trailer in the morning and he'd come up and he'd give, give everybody a little peck on the cheek and he'd say, Hi, Han. You know, in his lovely accent. Southern, yeah. And, you know, I miss that because, you uh-huh. know, that was so dawn. So, and I said to Ruby, you know, that's one of the things that I will, will certainly miss. But, I mean, just his personality. I'm very lucky, very fortunate to have one of Don's paintings signed by Don with a lovely note on the bottom of, to me. And that's a huge treasure uh-huh. I have. And every time I see it, you know, it'll always think of Don. Yeah. And I know there's a website coming up where we can actually um, get prints of some of his works. Mm-hmm. I know. I just hope that's, um, you know, put my dibs in there for something. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> want Don, some of it. And Don was, uh, we, we were really missed Don here in Vancouver. And of course, right through the film, film industry, because he worked everywhere. And a uh, uh, wonderful character. Miss you, Don. 